Our scripture text this morning, it comes from a couple of different places. We're going to read from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and then we're also going to read Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but the right, in righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like an ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. So I guess my first question is, when do you all start getting ready for Christmas? Is it right now? Is it kind of early December when it's time to start buying presents for people? Is it in the end of November when the radio stations flip over and they start to play the Christmas music on the radio? Or maybe it's when they start to put the Christmas stuff out in the stores. I think that's like late July or something. When do you start to get ready? When do you start to get prepared? Well, historically, the Christian calendar has this season called Advent. And it is the four weeks that lead up to Christmas Day. You might have heard the Calvert family say this a moment ago, but Advent, it comes from this Latin word that means coming. And that means that this is the time for us to truly prepare our hearts for the coming of Jesus. It's the time for us to prepare our hearts for Christmas. So that means, in one sense, it's not supposed to be party time yet. It's intended to be a season of expectation. A season where we look backwards and we identify with the prophets and we think about their longing, their expectation that a Messiah King, a Savior would come. And we also look forward. We look with hope to this moment when Jesus is going to return and he's going to set things right again. This is the time when we're supposed to spiritually prepare our hearts for Christmas. And I'm really thankful for it. I'm thankful for Advent because... During, these are the things that keep me sane during the holiday season. This is what keeps me anchored when everything else in the world around me is saying, you know, holly jolly, be excited, eat too much, have a celebration, this is great. Well, the Christian season of Advent is a little more realistic. 
the Christian season of Advent, it reminds us that there's always joy and sorrow mixed together in our world. That both things are present. That we have a lot of blessings that we get to be thankful for. But also, there is this brokenness that we can't ignore. That's why we sing songs like, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. I think that's probably the best song we have to start off Advent. I'm glad we sang it this morning because it declares that theme that comes up over and over and over again in Scripture. This theme that we live in a world of deep longing. We live in exile here. We're waiting for the time when we're going to truly be free. And yet, we also live in hope. We live in the hope of Jesus' return. The day, like the song says, when we'll finally be ransomed from being captive. When death's dark shadows will be put to flight. When the paths of misery will be closed once and for all. So this first week of Advent, that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at these passages we just read. We're going to look a little bit at the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And we're going to see how we as Christians can live with hope in an uncertain world. And there's three things that I want to tell you about this morning. One is that Scripture says we should mourn as exiles. It also tells us we should live in expectation And it tells us we should rejoice with Emmanuel. So let's look at those things. First, we mourn as exiles. Now, the verses I just read a moment ago, the last little bit of it, I hope you heard it, it describes this really beautiful scene. The wolf lying down with the lamb, the leopard lying down with the goat. It says, they'll neither harm nor destroy. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It's a beautiful picture, right? It's a picture of a world that is free from all conflict. A world that is free from pain. A world that is free from disagreements and division and from anger and from hostility. It is this world of ultimate relief. A world of total rest. Now compare that to our real world, the world we actually live in. From the moment we're born, we enter into this world and we experience all kinds of difficulties around us and inside of us. When we're in the early years of our life, we're always struggling to prove ourselves, to make a name for ourselves. We worry about failure. We worry about our own sense of worth and purpose. We're battling for destiny. When we reach our middle-aged life, we're, we're wrestling with busyness. We're wrestling with stress. We're wrestling with anxiety. There's just not enough time in the day for us to do all the things we have to do, whether it's with work or kids or activities. We're in a battle for stability. We're in a battle for peace. And then in our later years, we're still wrestling. We're wrestling with the knowledge of the fleeting nature of our lives. We're looking back at what we've done, and we're also, we're thinking about 
how best we can use the years we've got left. We see our bodies diminishing. We see our faculties wearing down, and, and we worry about the impact of the choices we've already made. We're in a battle for legacy. And so rather than this world of peace and rest that we see here, we live in this world where we are fighting an internal battle. And then we look out into the rest of our lives, and there's division all around us. Our relationships, they're damaged. They're strained. Some of them are in open conflict. Some of them are completely estranged. Thanksgiving is tough, right? Thanksgiving tends to remind us just how unhealthy some of our families really are. And even our healthy relationships, even the healthiest relationships we have in our lives, they're not quite what they should be. There are parts of our hearts that we just, let's be honest, we can't quite seem to communicate our hearts to the people we love the most. There are things we think and that we feel, and we just don't know how to share them. And so we end up feeling misunderstood, alone, unappreciated, undervalued. And then we look, lift our eyes a little bit further, and we see into the world, and there's a lot bigger problems out there, right? Division in our nation, war in the world, poverty, injustice, violence, fear, racism, terrorism, materialism, all these things. There are so many things that are wrong with the world. What are we supposed to do? How how are we supposed to process all of that? Well, the world's logic says you should accept it. And maybe try to make the best of it. But this is the way things are. That is the secular approach to the world. It says, this is just the way things are. It's the way things have always been. The world is about the survival of the fittest. The strong survive. The weak get destroyed. That's how our world is. But I want to say, if that's the truth, If that's really the way the world works, if it's always been the case that the strong eat the weak and it's never been any different, then why does it feel so wrong to us? If suffering and pain and death and division is the only thing this world has ever known, why do our hearts explode with a sense of longing when we read a passage like this? When we hear about a moment when the wolf will lie down with the lamb. About a world where there's going to be no more harm or destruction. If all there is is pain, why would we expect anything different? Why isn't the pain just okay with us? Why do we spend billions of dollars on self-help books and, and international relief organizations? Why are we always trying to fix the problems of the world instead of just accepting them? Well, Scripture tells us why. It tells us that the reason you are uneasy in this broken and messed up world is because you're right. 
Your instincts are right. It wasn't meant to be this way. The reason that we long for a better place is because we used to have one. God, he created this whole world, and he created this world to be good. And deep down, we know it. Deep down, somewhere inside of us, we remember it. And we spend all of our lives trying to find it, seeking it. But all of our efforts to fix it, they always fall short. Because we're broken too. We're broken ourselves. In his letter to the Romans, Paul, he says that the whole of creation groans with longing for liberation from our bondage to decay. And that's where we start Advent. We start it by taking an honest look at our world and by taking an honest look at our own hearts. And then we turn our gaze to the promise of God. Those words that we just read, the good news that, that we have a Savior, and the promise that, that this Savior, he is coming again, and he's going to do the thing that we can't do. He's coming to set things back the way they are meant to be. That's the essence of a Christian hope. See, only the Christian faith, and in all the, the worldviews and all the religions, only the Christian faith gives you the resources that you need to be honest about the pain, to look at it dead in the eye. You don't have to ignore it. You don't have to minimize it. You don't have to put on a happy face or wrap it in tinsel or light it with lights. You can wholeheartedly admit this world isn't the way it's supposed to be. It's a heartbreaking place sometimes. And as the song says, we can mourn as exiles here. But that's not all it says. It also says that we live in expectation. Advent is not only about sadness. It's about expectation. It's about hope. That song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, it's a somber song. You're not going to crank that song with the windows down on the way to the beach, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of a, uh, it's, it's in a minor key, you know, it, it gets you ready for, for, for what's coming. But the words are full of hope. They're really hopeful words. It's, it's singing about mourning, but it says we mourn until the Son of God appears. We sing that, that we would be freed from Satan's tyranny. We pray that God would disperse the gloomy clouds of night. That he'd open wide the doors to our home that we long for, our heavenly home. We say, oh, come, right? Those aren't foolish words. Those are not empty words. So in our passage, Isaiah, he gives us one of the most beautiful images that I can think of. In verse 1, he says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. 
from his roots a branch will bear fruit. Okay, can you imagine this picture? Think about it. It it is the picture of a forest, totally leveled, all the trees chopped down. Imagine it burnt over, smoking, black. You know, it is a, it's a picture of, of desolation, destruction. It's a picture of despair. It's a picture of death. But then, in the midst of one of those stumps, out of a little crack, there's a, a tiny green leaf poking out of the center. Now, what's that a picture of? What's that image all about? Well, Isaiah, when he originally wrote this prophecy, it was around 740 B.C. He was talking about King David. He was talking about David, the son of Jesse, right? The stump of Jesse is what he's talking about. He was the greatest ruler that Israel ever had. But in the years after his reign, things fell apart. The nation split, kings came and went, and not too long after this prophecy, the entire nation was destroyed. It was a burnt-over forest. But if you really look at this passage, if you read what Isaiah is saying here, you realize he's not telling people about some king. He's not just telling people about David's political agenda being reignited. This is something much bigger than short-term national policy he's predicting here. He's talking about something unbelievable. A king who he says in verse 2, possesses the spirit of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. A king who is perfect in his wisdom, and in his understanding, and in his counsel, and in his knowledge, and in his justice, and in his righteousness. A king who, it says, will slay the wicked and uplift the poor. Who would be defined, the things that define his life are the fear of the Lord, and a perfect faithfulness to him. Not like us, Defined by our insecurities. Defined by our pride. This is a king who will accomplish God's purposes. The king who's going to come and he's going to put the things back the way they're meant to be. He's talking about Jesus. This is a great reminder that Advent, it's not just about babies in a manger. It's about a king. It's about a king who has come to conquer all of his and our enemies. Advent's not about cookies and presents and Santas and and snowmen. It is about this moment when a shoot bursts out of a stump. When in this burnt-over forest of a world that we are living in, life suddenly sprang up. When Jesus was born, it was the first shot across the bow. When Jesus was born, it was the declaration that the time had come once and for all for death to die. 
that this cosmic war against sin was about to be decided once and for all. That our redemption had come. Yeah, we celebrate the manger. But we celebrate the manger because it led to the cross. It led to this moment where Jesus the King... Jesus, the Messiah, the one who had come to fix everything and right all the wrongs, did the most miraculous thing, the most unexpected thing. He died. Does anyone ever listen to Handel's Messiah? I was listening to it over Thanksgiving. One of my family members told me it was racket. (laughs) It's a beautiful symphony. Oh, good. I heard a gasp from our music major. Thank you. <laughs> Everyone else was like, yeah, it is kind of racket. I don't agree. Um, it's, one of the, it's a beautiful symphony. And the symphony, if you don't know, every word of it is from Scripture. Um, and there's this one song near the beginning that comes from Haggai, where this deep, booming voice sings about what's going to happen when this Messiah shows up. When this righteous king comes into the world and he says that I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land and I'm going to shake all the nations. He's going to level all of the injustice in the earth. All of the evil will be gone and it will be repaired. The world will be repaired once and for all. But then, in response to this deep and booming voice, comes a very high and haunting voice that sings from the words of Malachi. But who will stand? Who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire. It's this moment of realization. If a righteous judgment were to take place today, what would happen? If this were going to happen tomorrow, what would happen? If verse 4, this king comes with righteousness and he judges the needy with justice and he gives decisions for the poor of the earth, it says he'll strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he would slay the wicked. If someone like this finally came to put the world right, what would happen? None of us would be left. Who could stand? We couldn't pass the test. Yeah, this world is broken. Yeah, this world is not the way it should be. But we are not innocent bystanders. We did it. We contribute to it. We're part of the problem. But Jesus... The righteous king, instead of slaying us all for the harm that we've done, he allowed himself to be slain so that we could be spared. God, in his love, made a way for us. That's Advent. Advent is not only about the king coming someday to set things right, but it's about the good news that he has already come to give us an answer to Malachi's question, who can stand when he appears? And the answer is simple. Everyone and anyone who takes refuge in Christ. In his mercy, 
Advent is about this fact, that in his mercy, God has given us this moment, this moment today, this time right now where the war is won, but the story isn't over. Where every day, more and more people are turning to Christ for rescue. Every day, more and more people are being added to his kingdom. Every day, where more and more of us, we are turning from our allegiance to this world. And we're becoming citizens of an eternal and everlasting kingdom. With a true and good king. And so we mourn as exiles here, but we also live with expectation of the day when our king is going to come back and he's going to sit on that throne once and for all. In Christ, we don't have to fear that day. Instead, we can sing, O come, O come. And that brings us to the other piece of this text, the other piece of this song, it says that we rejoice with Emmanuel. Now, this is a strange thing about Advent. It's, it's a strange reality that we live in because if you look at that song that we sang, in the same verse, in the same few lines, we go from singing about mourning to singing about rejoicing. It ends by saying, rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel. There, there may not be a better set of lines to encapsulate what it is like to be a Christian. What it feels like to follow Jesus. We mourn our world. We mourn our sin. And yet we rejoice in our Savior. In the good news we find out that, that, that our faith is not about being good enough to pass God's test. It's not about being good enough to live up to the standards of his judgment, but it's actually about resting under the protection of a perfect king. And so we started off this morning reading that verse from Isaiah 7. The Lord himself will give you a sign, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, it means God with us. That's, that's the big reminder I think we need today. Because that, is, that tells us what all of this stuff means for us right now. It tells us what we're supposed to do with this information when we walk out of this room in just a few moments. In Advent, we look backwards. We look backwards, we look at the prophets, we identify with their longing and their desire for a Messiah to come. And then we also look forwards. We look with hope to the day that our Savior will return. But there is also a present aspect to our faith. Right here, in this moment. The name Emmanuel reminds us that we have a God who is with us right now. A God who, when he walked on this earth, he said, I will not leave you as orphans. 
And that means that, yeah, we can feel the burden of the world around us. We can feel the longing for its restoration. But even now, we can start to rejoice. We can rejoice because if you're in Christ, that means that right now, you experience the victory of Jesus today. If you're in Christ, even now, right now, God is with you, and he is working to undo the effects of the fall and the effects of sin and the effects of this broken world in your life. He is renewing you day by day. His big victory on the cross is playing out each moment in the small victories in your own life, in your own heart. So that means that our faith, it's not just you know, pie in the sky when you die, this, this abstract thing out in the future. It's a faith that works right now. We don't have to wait for Jesus to return before we see peace and before we see love and before we see hope and before we see justice on earth. We get to be the conduits of those things now. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, God is with us in the process. And so my challenge for us in the next few weeks as we go through this season of, of worship and preparation, my prayer is that we would really live in the, the true season of Advent right now. That we would open our eyes to the joys and to the sorrows of the, the world around us, that we would turn in hope every day to our living God. But then my prayer is that we would actually go out and we would live like citizens of a better country. That we would live like we belong to a better kingdom and a better king. And that we would be like him. My prayer is that we each one of us would be that sprig of life shooting up in the burnt-out forest. That we would lift up the people in need. That we would comfort those who mourn. That we would visit the sick and the lonely. That we'd seek reconciliation in those fractured relationships and in our divided communities that we would make this world more like the kingdom now. And that together, we would really prepare the way for our coming king. Let's pray.